Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Ruff. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. Mike has allowed me to do the intro this week, uh, so I'm going to take full advantage. I want you guys all to know that Zach is out on assignment this week. It's only me and Mike in here, uh, so we'll, we're not going to have any of that that exciting banter you get from Zach when he's in the studio, but he'll be back next week. Uh, in the meantime, it's just me and Mike here, and we are doing the Friday follow-up for Season 11, Episode 3, The Crooked Cops, and this episode... I showed you how the state's case against Pablo was absolutely and completely fabricated and that the police knew, Swainson and King knew that Pablo wasn't their guy before they ever took him to trial. We've got a lot of questions from you guys, so we're going to get right into it right after a break. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that you did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's jump right into these questions. I know you got a hard out this afternoon, Bob, so here we go. First question is from Natasha. Not a question. She says, but seriously, WTF uh, in regards to this episode, what's she talking about? Uh, well, first of all, regarding the, the hard out, you guys should have heard tomorrow. If not, you can check it out. But I am I'm, I'm recording as a guest on the Undisclosed Addendum this week uh, with their new season. They just finished their fourth episode. Season's really interesting. I'm deep into it, and I'll be on that addendum. But that's why I've got to bounce out of here pretty quickly because uh, I'm recording with them uh, today, which is Wednesday. Uh, as far as uh, the WTF, that, that was my thoughts when I looked at the case file. Uh, and this is the reason we took the case is because, yeah, WTF indeed. I don't think we've ever had a case. I said this last week. I don't think we've ever had a case where there was this obvious of a wrongful conviction and this obvious of absolute police corruption. So, yeah, I, I mirror the sentiment. I don't know. It wasn't a question. I don't really have much more to add to it other than, than this is just absolutely horrible what happened to Pablo Velez. All right. Laura says, if Pablo drove the truck home, how did he get to work? If he was dropped off, why didn't someone pick him up? I'm surprised he didn't go to the yard at all to at least drop the trailer off. I can't imagine his employer would be happy about him driving the truck and trailer around for personal use. I don't know about the trailer. And, I, and to be honest with you, I don't know the answers to all of this. I, I'm, I'm preparing to do another interview with Pablo now that I have a little more information. Uh, so I have some of these you know, questions like this that I can ask him. 
Uh, but based on some of the police interviews that I've heard and read, it sounds like it was pretty typical for Pablo to keep the truck at his house. So I don't know if, if he actually owned the tractor. You know, the, the tractor is the, the truck part, not the trailer. Or if that was just their policy that they were able to keep them at their house. Uh, and also not sure about the load. You know, the only, the only time we heard about the load was when Pablo had said he told police. Uh, and this is I didn't come across this till after I had spoken to him. Uh, where he told police in his first interview that he had driven over to his girlfriend's house or his ex-girlfriend's house with the the trailer still attached. Uh, but th- th- these are things that I hope to clear up soon when I talk to Pablo again. All right. Courtney says, how on earth did they suppress the notes about the lineup? It's, there's no other. The only response I can give you to that is it's just absolute, complete and total corruption. And And this is one of the reasons I wanted to take this case. And one of the reasons we highlighted the Charles Raby case is because Harris County, the DA's office, and and the Houston Police Department specifically, they are a corrupt organization. We saw it through Jennifer Jeffley's case. Whether you think she's innocent or guilty or not, you can read that case file. You can see that was what was done. You can see the fact that that Roy Swainson, the same cop we're dealing with here, went and picked up a 15 year old girl to take her down to the police for questioning. Told her grandma that she could follow to the station when he was trying to leave without even informing her. And then took off before she could get her keys. And then her mom called repeatedly and continued to tell her, oh, we're going to have her right home. Never informed her that she was a suspect. Never informed her that she was giving an inculpatory statement, all of which is required by the law. These are crooked cops. It was a crooked organization it, all through that, you know, from the, from the 90s through the, the, the you know, up, up till recently. That's what's going on with the with the Houston Police Department, and it needs to be exposed. And as far as you know, how did they how did they withhold it? The better question is, what else did they withhold? What other cases? How many other people, especially how many other people of color? I've said this before, and I'll double down on this again. I think we're dealing with a a systematic racism within that police department, and and in a way that isn't so obvious. It's not so much on the nose. It's it's literally, I, I think what we saw in Catalina Palomino's case and in this case and in Charles Raby's case is when you have a minority victim, they simply don't care if they get the right person. There there's a there's a complete apathy there, and, and, and we again we saw it with Catalina Palomino. We 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 studied that case extensively in season ten, and now we're seeing it again uh, with Emerson and his death. They have they they have a, a Latino victim. And they don't care. They just want to lock somebody up. And if and if the person they lock up is black or Latino or whatever it is, it's a, it's, it's some person of color. They don't care. The, the way I see how they operated then, and how I read this case file, and how I've read these other case files, is that they literally don't see people of color as even human beings. They don't care. They're a number. They're a case file. And if you disagree with that. Prove me wrong. Show me where they give a shit about any of these people. Lisa says, when was Pablo contacted about the murder and told about the gold Cadillac? If the ex says Pablo told her about the car, but didn't mention that the car was involved in a murder investigation, then he must have told her about the car either prior to the murder or just afterwards, which would mean that Pablo's timeline of spending the night with his ex the night of the murder is probably correct. However, if he was told about the car almost right away after the murder, then maybe that timeline could still be in question. I, I think it has to remain in question because I, I don't have the answer to that. Um, and, and what she said is even a bit ambiguous. She said that 
that he told her about buying and selling the car. And he told her something along the lines of that he had heard that it had been used in a drive-by shooting, which which really the takeaway there, what I took away from that was that Pablo didn't know what happened. I think he suspected something had happened. I think the weird call from Ron Strandberg, you know, saying to report it stolen and then saying, never mind. I, I think there were, there were probably rumors going around. I, and the fact that he told her he thought it was used in a drive-by shooting, to me, is a good indicator that he doesn't know what act because it wasn't a drive-by shooting. It was just a getaway car is all it was. It was an ambush that happened at the perfect rack that night. And I don't think Pablo was aware of it, but because of that, like we don't like even that tells us we, we have no idea where to place that in the timeline. At what point did he think there had been a drive by shooting? At what point did he tell her about it? There's just really no way to, to pinpoint that. All we have is that phone call, which even that, I mean, certainly it, it helps Pablo. It, it, it helps him as far as, uh, whether or not he's right about when they met, but it, but even that's not definitive. There could have been another phone call that neither one of them remembered. But for me, the bottom line is, it doesn't matter if he was with Anel the night of the murder. It, it really it, it 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 doesn't matter at all. We know for a fact that he had sold that car to Ron Stramberg. Ron Stramberg went and got a stereo installed in it. He was the the person who installed the stereo. The shop owner, Mister Song. Testify. He knows who Ron Stramberg is. He knows it was Ron Stramberg that brought that car, and it was his car, and that he put the uh, and that he put the stereo in it. So the only thing that ties Pablo to this case at all is the car, and he didn't have the car. Ron had the car. There's also no there's no motive. This was cert- this was certainly a personal cause homicide. I don't necessarily think for Emerson, but certainly it was an attack on Adrian. This wasn't a random act of violence. He was set up. He was drawn into. That parking lot that night, and with 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 Wooly standing at the door with a pistol and a second shooter with a long rifle out in the in the parking lot. There may have even been a third shooter. We're going to get into forensics later, but th- this was an ambush, and there's no reason. Pablo has no connect. Nobody, not the victims, not the not the perpetrators. Nobody has any connection to Pablo other than Ron Stramberg, who lived down the street from him. The only connection he has is that he took over the payments on Pablo's car. All right. Lauren says, this is a general question about HPD. When you have the many cases of police misconduct and a number of people who have been wrongfully convicted, how can you get the Justice Department to start an investigation? Uh, it's tough. I looked into this with Smith County and uh, with Ed Eights and Kenny Snow's case and Carrie Max Cook's case. And it's it's really difficult to get their attention. You've got to be able to absolutely prove there was a pattern of misconduct. And, you know, and keep in mind that they've been investigated. HPD has been investigated for their crime lab problems. Both the fingerprint lab and the, and the, and their forensic labs have been, have been investigated by the federal government because they were falsifying documents. They had, they had misleading practices. They had people lying, you know, experts lying on the stand. Like, like they're, 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 the corruption in that city has been well known and well investigated over the years. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Sue says, if there are phone records showing calls between Pablo and girlfriend, then aren't there records of calls with Ron? There are. Uh, and I guess we'll just, we'll just cover this now. I didn't get into it in the episode. Uh, but yeah, in Pablo's phone records, we see a call from Ron at five o'clock in the morning. Another call. I don't remember the exact times, but another call from Ron a little bit later that morning, matching up exactly with what Pablo said. So yeah, the, the, the phone records do confirm it. However, it's, it's worth noting. I don't think this is the case, but I, but, I, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't point it out. You know, When Pablo's speaking to me now, he has the knowledge of those phone calls already. So it's possible. You know, I'm always, always being cautious about what I take for fact and what, and what, I, what, what I continue to look into further. It, it would be possible to create that narrative after already knowing the uh, what the phone records say. Uh, I'm not saying that he did that. I don't think that's what he did, uh, but but it's at least worth noting that. But yeah, the, the phone records do confirm what Pablo said. And on that note, over the next couple of weeks, you're going to hear more about the phone records, and you're going to hear why I still 100% believe Pablo Velez is innocent. He had nothing to do with it. and that I personally do believe him when he said he got that call to report the car stolen. And that's what that call was at five in the morning. Okay. On the subject of phone records, Kim says, do we have access to the phone records and how long of a time span do they include? I wonder if they show he stopped talking with the ex-girlfriend and then had that call the night before the murder, among other things, the call records could show. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going through the phone records right now. As I said, I've checked on them with Pablo and I've also checked into a, a, a bunch of other connections through the phone records we have available to us. I haven't looked so far into them to see uh, about phone calls back and forth with the ex-girlfriend, but that, but I, but I will be looking into that, but, but just know in the next couple of weeks, we're going to hear a lot more about the phone records and there is a lot to be learned from them. All right, Brian says, are you hoping this case will maybe give you a chance to get more access to Jennifer from season 10? It seems all this information can only help with that investigation as well. I mean, not really. I'll, I'll certainly anything we find, um, I will pass along to Jennifer's attorney. But yeah, I, I don't know. As I, you know, as I kind of filled you guys in at the end of that season, you know, I, I just I wish we could have done more there. It's it's I find it really, really sad and unfortunate that uh, we weren't able to get the access that we need and move forward and to be to be very transparent. I haven't heard from any of the Jeffleys since the season ended. You know, I, I reached out to them to um, let them know that we were going to be ending it and why. And um, you heard my kind of message to them in the last episode, and I didn't get any response from them at all. So. It's, it's unfortunately one of those things that drives me nuts. I, I believe Jennifer's innocent. I believe that we could help a lot more uh, with her fight for freedom. But at this point, the, it seems like the family has put their faith 100% in their attorney. And um, they don't seem to be looking for any more help from us. So with that, we just 
we have to move on, and I wish him all the best. Joanne says, more of a statement than a question, but why was Pablo so laid back about reporting a car stolen? None of that part made sense to me. It was still in his name, it was stolen, and he didn't seem bothered at all about what happened to it. Surely that would mean he wouldn't be paid for the car if it was gone. I think that Pablo, I don't know. It's another follow-up question that I'm going to have for him, but it it sounded to me when he explained it to me that I I, I don't think that he necessarily thought it was stolen. He wasn't, you know, in his mind, you know, he he had sold it to Ron. It really wasn't his problem anymore. You know, and he said he knew the police weren't going to come out at five o'clock in the morning to look for the stolen car. And also he was exhausted. He had been up all night. And and so he wanted to at that point, you know, what's the difference in calling it five in the morning or calling it nine in the morning? He wanted to get to sleep and he didn't want to stay up and deal with the police if they did show up. There's a lot of reasons why he didn't. You know, it wasn't a big deal. And before we got a chance to do anything with him, he got the, you know, never mind. It's no big deal uh, call from Ron afterwards. So I don't know. I don't know. The whole thing, the the whole thing seems a little bit weird, but you know, that's, it's all, we all kind of live in our own little bubble, right? You know, in my world, I'm very particular about just about everything when it comes to any kind of business. So if I got, if, if, if I had let somebody take over payments on a car, which of course I would never do, and they told me it was stolen, that would be, I would be on it. I'd be talking to the police. I'd be talking to insurance, things like that. But there's just there's just a lot of unknown factors there. But I but I, I will ask Pablo about that next time I speak to him. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five. But if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, Lynn says, if the actual shooter was delivered to police, wouldn't it be more difficult to fabricate evidence to convict Pablo? It seems it should be easier to convict the true killer with just the true facts. You'd think so, um, but as you're going to learn over the next several weeks, the police very, I mean, so let, let, let's talk about some of the corruption that we heard in this case. We really haven't done that, and I know we're, we don't have a whole lot of questions. Of course, Zach's not here, so. Oh, this episode's already going to be a little short. So this is, I, w- I want to quickly break down what we, you know, some of the corruption that we we have. So you have you have King on the stand testifying that no one ever named Ron Stramberg in connection with the case, and and that was because this, you know, the Pablo's defense wanted to raise Ron as an alternate suspect. You know, they're saying that that Pablo's connected because of the car, and he's saying he didn't have the car; he sold it to Ron, and they had the proof. They had the they had the receipt. Uh, from E-Race, there's, there's actually some more information. I, I guess now I can, I can sh- share that with you a little bit. I'll get into the details of it later. But Pablo's, um, Mary said that, that Anel was his ex-girlfriend and he mentioned the way he said it in the interview was he went to his wife's house. Uh, but at that time they weren't married yet. Uh, and, and her name was Priscilla. You know, they, they were still together. He was, he was, uh, the way Pablo put it to me when I talked to him, he said, yeah, the problem I had back then was, was cars and women. Uh, were for the issue. You know, he didn't have a drug problem. He didn't have violence problems, but those were his issues. So I guess, you know, that is what it is. Uh, but, but Priscilla later gives some, some testimony, not at trial, but when she's questioned later by investigators, 
or she also confirms that that car that the car was sold to Ron that and I believe I got to go back through it again and again or I'm going to break all this down that she was actually there when Ron brought a payment the first month's payment the you know the, I think it was in June is when at the end of June is when Pablo had let Ron take over the payments and then for, you know first week of July is when he brought over the first payment so remember the loan's still in Pablo's name so he's giving Pablo the money and then Pablo's making the payment so there's 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 plenty of plenty of reason to to know that it's provable that Paul that Pablo had sold the car to Ron, and so of course they want to present Ron as this alternate suspect, but then King tells the judge, no one has ever like this guy's not a suspect. It's irrelevant. There's no there's no reason they should be allowed to bring him up as an alternate suspect. He's not in the case file at all, and the judge the judge does they handcuff the defense and they won't allow them to present alternate suspects. They won't allow him to t- to bring up um, Richard Shorty Cisneros. They won't allow him to bring up Ron Stramberg because they're not in the case file. And then we see in the notes that not only was were they in the case file, but they said that everyone who was there and several people outside of that have all everyone was telling them that it was Shorty and Ron. So why not go after Shorty and Ron? So they, that's some of that that corruption, right? Why not go after them? Well, I'll tell you this, and again, this is we're going to break down all this, but they couldn't get people to testify against those two. That was the problem they were having, that, that people would give them information, but they didn't want to testify about it. We'll talk about why that is later. But, but that's, I think, why they went with Pablo, because they had the car, and they had the ID from Claudia, and there's more of the corruption where she comes in and says, ah, well, Essentially, she looks at this at this photo array where she can only see headshots, and says oh, that guy looks like him, but he but the shooter had lighter hair. And they're like, okay, we'll sign right here. And then they go into court, and Swainson, who was in a different goddamn room when it happened, goes to court and under oath says, "Oh, I was right there." And she gave this beautiful, perfect, wonderful, positive ID. Uh, and so that was easy conviction. We got an eyewitness ID. His car was there. How could they not convict him? And that actually was easier. Than trying to get people into the courtroom to testify against Ron and Shorty. All right. And Lynn's last question here. Are any of the witnesses willing to speak to you? I'm interested and hoping to hear from Claudia. Well, it's funny you should mention that because this week's episode is a full length. uh, I think it's about 30 minute long interview that I did with Claudia this week. It's very eye opening. Uh, Claudia tells the story about everything that happened before the murder. What happened the night at the perfect rack? What happened when the shooting started? After the shooting started? What happened when she went to the police department? What happened when she went to trial? And what you're going to learn is that the corruption goes beyond just the police department. I know that's shocking to you to think there could be some corruption in the Harris County DA's office, Colleen Barnett. But all of that is coming up in this week's episode. I'm excited for you to hear it. It was a great conversation. Uh, And then from there, we're going to continue on with this case. There's a lot more to be learned about who actually killed Emerson and how we know that they're the ones that did it. And with that, sorry, I know this is a shorter episode than normal. Like I said, we don't have Zach in the room, uh, so we don't really have his perspective on things. He's out on assignment. Didn't have a lot of questions from you guys. But thank you for tuning in. Make sure you tune in on Sunday to hear that interview with Claudia. We'll talk to you guys next week.
Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing, and all music for the show is created and composed by PutThemInASong.com. Our follow-up logo was created by Zach Weaver, and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team. Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Charlena White, Kaywood Yamnick, Ginger Fiola, Edith Swanneck, Lindsay Pease, Erica Cantor, and Jen Reese Incandela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd really like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. On the Patreon page, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we also have reward levels on Patreon that include access to behind-the-scenes videos of the tapings of our Friday follow-up episodes, ad-free versions of all of our episodes, Truth and Justice Army t-shirts and hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a 5-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, Truth and Justice Pod. Just click the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is engage in the investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found at BobRuffTruth. Mike can be found at Murb Gaming, M-U-R-R-B-G-A-M-I-N-G, and Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, and tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Mike Bussing. And this has been Truth and Justice. We got a lot of questions from you guys, so we're going to get right into it right after a break. How's that? It was great. No, it was really good. It was it was it one of my better ones? Probably the best one you've ever done. You know what it is? It's that I'm jealous. I know. I got to keep you on your toes. Yeah.